Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, we are up to step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carry the message to another alcoholic who is still suffering. This is the last um, step of all 12 steps. And um, I don't know what could be a greater um, journey in life than going from a place of complete, complete self-centeredness, egotistic in the extreme, thinking only about myself, masturbating myself to hell, going from a place of extreme narcissistic, being a narcissism, where it's like the self-centeredness is so extreme that I, I vividly remember, like in the early days, like the picture of my wife and children and saying straight at, I don't care. I'm gonna still act out. Like literally telling God to, to go blank himself. I'm going to act out. Um, I think we all could identify with that feeling of, of like, I know I don't want to do this. I know I shouldn't do this. I really wish, it's almost like in the disease, it's, it's like I talk to my disease. I remember like talking to it and saying, I wish I didn't have to do what I'm about to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, having my, my two-year-old on my lap covering his eyes and watching porn, like that, the insanity of, of, of step one and going from that place where nothing was relevant anymore, nothing, nothing was relevant. Um, you can't even explain it in words, to be honest with you, that darkness. You either know what I'm talking about or you don't. But uh, I'm assuming if you're in a chair here, <laughs> you understand. That darkness to a place of step 11 where we pray only for the knowledge of his will and how to carry it out. It is so, like, day and night. Like, what could be greater than the knowledge of God's will and how to carry it out? And this program says something so beautiful. There's something even greater than that, and that's step 12. Step 12 is the, is the step even above, if I could say, the fourth dimension. It's the step that allows people like myself to keep coming back. It's the step that you want to, you want to get to that step. It's that step that, you know, I know my journey in 10 years with Shul in recovery that we talk about the most. It's a step that honestly gets me emotional. The step that I have the power 
to be there for another human being. Not because of the amount of money I have and the lack of money that you have, so it's like I'm on top and you're on bottom. Not because I'm a genius at something and you suck at it. Not because I'm the boss and you're the worker. But simply because I've gone down the hell that you went through and I found a way out. I've been exactly in those dark, dark places that you've been. I've been there. I've been in that place when it's like this program doesn't even work. Because if it worked, why didn't, doesn't it work? I've been there. I've been in that place where this marriage doesn't work. I've been in that place where I married the wrong girl. I've been in that place where I need to check that girl out or I'm going to die. That place of I don't want to pull into the massage bar, I don't want to pull in, I don't want to freaking pull in and there I am again. And I found a way how not to go to a strip club and not to masturbate and not to watch porn and not to break devices to try to repair it or to return it to take it back for the third time. I, I, I don't live that life anymore. And I so badly just want to give that life over to you. I so badly, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these 12 steps, we carry the message. I so badly just want to carry that same message to you. You know, 13 years ago, you know, my sponsor has, one of my sponsors have the slogan, is it odd or is it God? You know, this is the last... Um, talk that I'm giving on the 12 steps after like 15 or 17, I don't know where we're up to weeks on talking on the 12 steps. And it so happens to be that when I stay sober today, tomorrow I'm going to be celebrating 13 years of sobriety. Is that auto? is that God? You know, that God set it up this way. But 13 years ago, I was of the helpless type, like the big book says, that cannot recover from this fatal allergy, this fatal disease. I could not recover. Chaim could not recover. I was so freaking addicted to pornography. It wasn't only like a physical allergy. It was mental. It was emotional. It was, it was an attachment from nine that saved me through hell of, of childhood. And I couldn't stop. There was no way for me not to masturbate or watch porn. I can't express it. It's, it's, it's almost like unfortunate when people come into recovery today and like, Chaim, you're, you're an old time, you're intimidating, you, you, you've been around so long, and it's like, you don't get how broken I am. It's like you don't get how broken and how addicted I was to porn. I, I, there's no words. There's no words for it. Hearing my wife tell me, I'm going to take a shower, we could be together afterwards, and I say, yeah, and the moment that door closes, I'm watching porn and masturbating in bed. I, I had no way not to. It's irrelevant. There was no option. There was no option for me not to act out. And 13 years ago, I walked into this program, and we were three, four guys. I think by my first meeting, it was maybe five, six guys. The longest sober guy was two and a half years. And there was this one guy that just caught my attention, Raphael, who I owe my life to. He was sober then 11 months. 
And um, the guy, two and a half years, I just nicked right away. I said, he's not for me because um, he's either lying or he doesn't have what I have. But 11 months, like maybe, like I was looking at the guy with also four months very strongly. But the 11 months seemed like something like cool. And um, I asked Raph to be my sponsor. And he literally nursed me back to life. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. He just simply told me what to do, and I simply followed. And sometimes I fought, and sometimes I argued, and sometimes we had it out. But he had the love, the tolerance, and the patience to take me through all the 12 steps and gave me of his time hundreds and hundreds of hours that I didn't pay for. And he just sat with me, and he listened to me. He had a spiritual awakening that's above this world, my sponsor. And he just wanted me to have it. It's like I'm so emotional thinking about it. He had something that was... He was being tortured by a disease. And he's not being tortured anymore. And here's a guy who just walked in and saying, I'm being freaking tortured by that same disease. And he's like, no, 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 I have some medicine for you. And these, these, are the, these are the pills that I took. Here, take these pills. It's called 12 Steps. Show up some t- to meetings. Show up on time. Be there. And he literally just like n- nurtured me to, to health. And I struggled. I struggled. I can't explain how addicted I was to porn. I could not put down porn. Even in, in the beginning of recovery, I could not. And then I put down porn and then I picked it up. Then I did the peekaboo. You know, the not looking, the semi-looking, and then, I, then it was nudity, and the, it, was, it was horrendous. It was, there were times that I remember rolling on the floor in my basement, physically rolling. How the hell am I sober for 13 years today? I don't get it. There were days, forget about, like, I speak to newcomers, and they're like, but I got to go to my work. got to go to my work. <laughs> got to go to work? I could not get out of bed. I knew if I leave my bed, I will act out. I remember calling my sponsor at certain points and telling him if I put my hands lower than my waist, I'm going to grab my penis. It wasn't an option calling, calling um, 800 numbers. Calling, I could not not call it. I, I didn't understand. My wife used to tell me how stupid stupid could you be? I'm in the other room. I hear you. It was irrelevant. I could not stop. The days of, of like, in the early days, I remember Shmuley come running to my house one, one, like, one day with a white book, literally didn't knock on the door. He still doesn't knock on the door, but he, he came running into my house, literally with a white book, and he's like, let's read, let's read, let's read, let's read the 18 wheeler. And we, we sat there. We were dying. We were of the hopeless type. I could not stay sober. I could not stay sober. How many meetings should I go to? How many meetings should I go to? If there was a meeting, I went. There wasn't how many meetings. Created meetings. I went to about 10 meetings a week. There was nothing that existed but, but recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening, the program says a promise. You go through the 12 steps, you're going to have a spiritual awakening. If you didn't have a spiritual awakening, 
which a spiritual awakening looks like to me, that God took away the enormous desire to act out. It doesn't mean I'm not tempted. I'm tempted on a daily basis. Sometimes the temptation is strong. But it's not that pull that I'm helpless. It's not I need to or I'm going to die. There's no efforts anymore. That's gone. That's the spiritual awakening. And I got that spiritual awakening because Ralph cared enough to give it to me. You know, it says, we get this a lot in programs, so important to, to speak this out. Like, so how do I work with my sponsee? So what do I tell my sponsee? I'm not sure what to do with my sponsee. There's one of the biggest chapters, I think, in the, in the big book, chapter seven, working with others. It answers all the questions of what to do and what not to do. It says it clear. We don't make stuff up here. It says what to do. If we follow this book, we stay sober and we help the next guy stay sober. Somebody once came over to me and said, Chaim, I see that all your sponsees stay sober. Like, what's your magic wand? And I tell them that my magic wand is if the guy doesn't want to stay sober and he's not willing to do what I do, I drop him. So I just stay with the guys that stay sober. It's not that there aren't guys that don't stay sober. You know where I got that message from? And everybody's like, but who said, but the poor guy, but maybe, but it says it in the book. Read it. It says it straight out. You're taking away the guy's opportunity from recovering later on. Give the guy an opportunity to go back out there. The guy's addicted to porn, and you're going to take that away from him? If he's not ready to give it up, it's not fair to the poor guy. The guy needs the porn to survive like I did. Why would you take it away from him? If he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties, or a nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. He might do the program after he goes back out there. It's a tough message, but it's the truth. We, Harvey used to tell me, Chaim, you love the guys in your fellowship so much you allow them to stay drunk. There's this like undertone in this fellowship that Chaim's a tough guy. You know, Chaim's the tough guy. Like, Chaim's the tough guy. Chaim's a teddy bear. I'm not tough. I'm a teddy bear. But when you're ready for sobriety, that's when I'm ready. Otherwise, you just want to go to build a bear, I'll go with you. Not today anymore. But, uh, you know, I'm ready for the, for the truth. Like, and I've seen it time and time again play out. It's such, a, it's such a realization when guys like, you know, not to call anybody a particular, but a guy like Nachum was in this fellowship forever, right? And for years couldn't get sober, and I'm only saying this because he's said it a thousand times. Hated my guts with a passion. 
He hated the fact that I wanted him to get sober. He said this a thousand times. He hated the fact that he knew that if he speaks to me, I'm going to talk to him about one thing only. There's a solution, and it works. And if you're not working it, it doesn't work. And if you are working it, it does work. And if you're not ready to get sober, I can't help you. But when you are, I'll be there for you, and I'll love you until then. But if you're not getting sober, it's because you're not ready. And there's some people that can never get ready, and there's some people that are the hopeless type to the extreme. There's some people that maybe this program doesn't work for them. I'm not saying this program is for everybody. And maybe your marriage can never be as good as my marriage. But how about trying to treat your wife the way I treat my wife and then come over to me and tell me that your marriage doesn't work? Don't treat your wife the way you're treating her and then expecting my marriage. Treat your wife the way I treat my wife and then expect my marriage. Because I got news for you. If I treated your wife the way you treat your wife, I would have your marriage. If I worked your program, I would be as drunk as you. Try to work my program and see if you could get as sober as me. And the reason I say this is because I cannot be enough grateful to Rafal, to Menachem, and to Harvey. They all three across the board gave me that message. All three of them. If you're not done with your acting out, go out for some more. If you're ready for recovery and the real solution, I got the magic and it works. Because I was of the hopeless type like you. I'm not your banker. I'm not your nurse. I'm not your doctor. I'm not your lawyer. I don't care. Remember in the early days we used to complain about our sponsors like, like anything. I hate it that guys don't complain about the sponsors in this fellowship today. My sponsor's so good. He's so gentle. He's so loving. He's so, oh really? You prostitute your sponsor? That's nice. Oh, really? Is there a happy ending with that after you sit with them? You feel so cozy and warm? Yeah? Loves you? <clears throat> gives you hugs afterwards? I hated it. My sponsor never hugged me. Never. <laughs> Ever got a hug? <laughs> it wasn't his type. It's not his personality. It's so funny. My type is the hugs. I give hugs all the time. No happy endings, but hugs. I can never be grateful enough Menachem came down to my house after being sober for 53 days Menachem looked at me and said I just went to him I should point out oops I just went to a massage parlor and strip club and God knows what then I called my sponsor my sponsor said um, um, I told him you know while I was in the massage parlor it just came out so I'm not sure if I'm sober or not, you know? So he said to me, one second, you went to a strip club and to a massage parlor and it just came out, so you're not sure if you're sober? I said, yeah, I never asked her to touch me in that area. She was touching my back and that's how it came out. I'm not sure if I'm sober. He's like, let me call you back. I'm going to call my sponsor. So he called his sponsor and his sponsor said, I'm not sober. So I told him, I'll never forget this. So I told him, Again, um, who's my sponsor? You or your sponsor's sponsor? <laughs> your sponsor's sponsor, I didn't hire. I hired you. You don't know. Your sponsor's sponsor, I never hired, and I do know. You don't know. Your sponsor's sponsor, I never rehired, and I do know. You understand who's going to win this conversation? 
I will consider myself sober. And from there went on to him and his sponsor recommending me for the next um, 10 days at meetings to keep my mouth shut and not, not share. Try that in today's fellowship. Try to tell your sponsee, like, uh, spoken over my sponsor, we think it's in your best interest not to share. And um, I was such a manipulator, so cunning. Even till today, when I speak to Harvey on the phone, and he tells me his opinion, and I, I tell him my opinion, and he tells me what he really <coughs> believes. If I argue again, he says to me, Chaim, you won before you called me. You won the conversation before you called me. Why did you call me? Of course you're a greater manipulator than I am. But I listen to my sponsor even when my sponsor is wrong. Because without listening to my sponsor, you know which brain I get to listen to? My own. My own is full of me. The whole program is about getting rid of me. So why would I listen to me for? And that gift that Ralph and his sponsor, I'll never forget, I came home and I told my wife, I was pissed like hell. I'm working on my sobriety and my recovery. I'm staying sober. And I came home and I told my wife, I said, hey, Miriam, uh, you know, my sponsor recommended that I don't share at meetings. Could you imagine the nerve he has? He wants me to shut up for 10 consecutive days at meetings, which basically means for 10 days, because I went to a meeting a day, sometimes two meetings a day. I'll never forget her smile. She's like, I guess your sponsor got you. Now, I couldn't call my sponsor to complain about my wife about this because they're, they're on the same team. And then after 10 days, my sponsor said to me, you're doing very well. I think you should do it for another 10. You know, this program is about getting uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. It's not about getting comfortable. There's no greater comfort than sitting in a strip club and massage parlor in my brain, being the most uncomfortable, but thinking I am the most comfortable. Being in an adult bookshop with this um, um, Mexican, I'm, I'm not sure if this guy, you know, should give me a blowjob or not. And I'm debating if I want it or not, but I don't like men, but, but I want it. But what am I doing there? But my phone is vibrating. Should I answer the phone? But it's my wife. It says Miriam. Holy shit. And I sit and complain today. My finances, my this, this. I shouldn't be capable of walking down the street. It's not a joke. We... We have the greatest fellowship in the world, possibly. I sincerely believe it. But with our fellowship comes a very, very big problem. We're back in school. We're back in, in the halls of, of prayers of 10 in our community. Making coffee, getting donuts. We're back in that whole grind of, 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 of confusion. 
I need to walk into churches as a Jewish kid and sit there with the cross on the thing, with people not in my faith, not in my religion, not in my beliefs, people who look scary to me. I needed them to hug me. I need to shake and be nervous. I need to be broken and humbled by people who I wouldn't associate myself with. To wake me up, we walk in here, a bunch of guys who want to go out for coffee. It is and that, I met, but after that, I didn't act out. My wife is a bitch. She is, yeah, your wife also, yeah. Sit around there. You want to play chess afterwards? Oh, let me meditate on the couch. I plug ins. Oh, I became a meditation. I acted out yesterday for three hours. What the hell? My sponsor would tell me, get the hell off the couch with meditation. You're a drunk. Have you used to scream at me? Go to outside of your fellowship meeting. Went to 11 conventions. I killed myself walking around those conventions on the Sabbath. I cried every single convention when it hit the time of Sabbath. What the hell is a Jewish kid doing out in, in Nashville and Chicago? Uh, making cholent in the rooms. Oh my God. It wasn't a party for me. For some other people it was. For me it was life and death. I was there because I needed medication because I was so freaking sick I can't even tell you. And that's the message that I give over to my sponsees. And the big book says I wish there was an easier way. It's not the Chaim's tough. The big book says I wish there was an easier way. I listened to Joe and Charlie on step 12. He said 97% don't make it. They don't even get into the doors of the fellowship. And out of the the 3% that make it in, half don't make it. And from the half that make it, that's where he stops. And I'll add, from the half that make it, make it a drunk sobriety. A dry drunk, we call it. They just don't masturbate and watch porn, but life sucks. And then there's those one or two winners here and there that you find. They really gave their will and their life over to this program. They come weekly and really, really kill themselves to stay sexually sober <clears throat> and really carry the message. Bill W. writes that when nothing else worked, nothing else, and the temptation was so strong, nothing else worked, the only thing that he found that works is being there for another alcoholic, another sexaholic. And somewhere in the middle of my step work and my journey of spirituality, I realized that, you know something, God? My goal in this world is not to have that big yacht. It's not to have that enormous home. It's not to have the beauties and the, the greatness out of this world. I want to have a beautiful wife and beautiful children, and I want to nurture them. I want to be their sponsor. I want to give them what, the, what step six taught me, step seven. I could teach my little kids as a kids to get rid of their character defects. Forget about teaching you guys. I could teach them. I could teach them how to pray to God. And that there is a God that is unconditional loving no matter what I've done, how long I've done it for, no matter how low I became. And I could have my kids crazy over God. As little kids. I could sponsor my family. 
I could show up, you know, when your sponsee's cool or, or people in fellowship call, you answer the phone. I could do that to my wife when she calls. Not, honey, I'm in a meeting. You know that feeling when you call your wife and she doesn't answer the phone and you want to kill her? <laughs> and she knows exactly the time that you need her to answer? She feels the same thing. You know that feeling of when she answers the phone and she's busy like hell, but she's giving you that time? I could do that same thing for her. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, I carry the message. What Menachem did for me in the early days until today nurtured me, nurtured me, and nurtured me, and nurtured me. And then over the years, what my sponsees have done for me, there's nothing greater than what a sponsee could do for a sponsor. Sitting down with Shia for years in the back corner after the meetings for 45 minutes, going through brutal step work. What it did for me, it took my program to a whole new world. My business during that point was in turmoil. Had a miscarriage, I think, at that point. So many problems. I was losing money. I didn't know if I'm coming or going, but I was grounded in step work. Nothing. He writes away, nothing ensures immunity from the first drink as intensive working with another. Nothing. Nothing as intensive. Intensive doesn't mean answering a phone. Intensive means sitting down and working and working and working. Over the years, the maybe thousands of hours I've spoken to Shaul. What that did to me. And the list goes on. And the gratification that you walk away from, knowing that people's lives have changed. They went from hell to happiness. And to watch the families grow, to watch new people coming into the world only because I masturbated my life to hell some 20, 30, 40 years ago. 20, 30 years ago. I guess I'll finish off with, um, <clears throat> could talk about step 12 forever, but I figured I'll do something cute. There's a new song that came out that when I listened to the song, it just cried like a baby. Just really hit me very, very strongly. Because honestly, this is, this is how I spend my life. And this is, this, is, this is my life. So I made copies of the song. I didn't realize there's gonna be a, such a big crowd. And maybe if you could just, Pass it around and share it with the guy next to you. <clears throat> and Harvey, you know, Harvey and the old timers taught me this is another form of prayer and meditation. Is it, is it, you know, we somehow could see a woman and in a second just take her all in and, and go crazy, you know? Have one more. So, could each take a deep breath?
Get to look on with, with somebody else here. Get to look on with my phone. And if we could just keep quiet, let's try to just take it in, absorb it. Give me a second. Let's get it on. the sweetest song scale the highest mountain don't get me wrong these are wonderful things even significant things you can strive for wealth fame and success and trust I'll think of you no less these are wonderful things even significant things Why I think that's fine These are wonderful things Even significant things You can study life's deepest mysteries Turn simple words into poetry These are wonderful things Even significant things But To help another No, nothing in your life Will ever bring more joy to you Than finding a way to share A little piece of your heart
nothing in your life no nothing in your So in short, to end this, if you never tapped in, the big book says, if you never watch somebody come alive, then you're missing out. And if you're struggling in this fellowship and you've been around for some time, I strongly advise, just get a few days of sobriety, 30 days. Put everything on life on hold. And then start helping somebody else. There is no greater feeling in this world. There is nothing in this world like it. Nothing. That feeling of coming home and maybe the deal didn't work out and maybe and maybe and maybe. But to be able to help my child in today's complicated, difficult, insane world to listen to my kids' anxiety or fears or worries or relationships to be able to help another fellow man or woman in, in this fellowship is the greatest gift, is the absolute greatest, greatest gift. And that's why no matter what, no matter when, most people, I've seen hundreds of people leave this program. And every time that little voice comes up in my head that I'm just done, I'm angry, I'm fed up, people don't like me, whatever my brain comes up with, the people that have followed direction from those three people tell me, are you working the steps with anybody? And every time I do it, it's just a new world. A new world. I did a couples meeting here um, this Sunday night. And a guy who I've been recently working with, Avi, who's just a few measly months ago, a few, I'd say four or five months ago. The guy was bitching and complaining and his marriage and his life and it, buh, 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 buh. Little measly few months. This woman walks over to me and my wife and says, I'm married to a new guy. Thank you, I hope it's okay. To be able to get that from a woman in a healthy, normal way for my wife to hear that my shit is saving other lives, the healing that that comes, why would you miss out on that? What's, great, what's a greater deal in this world than that? For my wife to come over to me and show me a picture of a baby on the phone and say to me, Remember a few years ago when we were by one of the conventions, we were about to leave, and this woman came crying to me, and I told you, give me a few minutes. And then, miraculously, the husband came to you, and you sat with the husband, and I sat with her, and we made up, and we told them, don't get divorced. They already wrote up the documents for the divorce. And we told them, give it a shot. You remember, we spoke to them. And then six months later, we met them again by the next convention, and they still were separated, going through hell. Remember, we met them again and again. 
Since then, these are their babies. They had two children. They're a family of six instead of a divorced family of four. What's, what's more better than that? That's the orgasm that this fellowship gives that we need to get out of this fellowship that I was looking for out there. Thank you for allowing me to do this workshop. I really, really appreciate it. It changed my life completely. The next level of recovery, if anybody's interested, all the, there's recordings on every single one of them. It's on all the different platforms. I don't even understand these platforms. I don't even understand how to work it, to be honest with you. But it's on the platforms and everything. And, and thank you. Okay, we have a few minutes. If anybody has any, um, any questions. Yeah. What do you do when you're not in the mood of doing service? Great question. So, um, question is, so what do you do when you're not in the mood of doing service? I was taught in this program that we need to do the total opposite of our brain. If my body is telling me I'm fed up with my wife, it's time for me to take a lot of actions of love. <coughs> I'm not interested in going out with her. I'd rather go out with the boys. That is the moment my spirituality is screaming for that. So if my body feels like I'm done with the service of the program, that's the moment that I need to do it. Because that's the disease that's starting to say, hey, buddy, let's do some acting out. So I don't listen to my brain. My brain has no... No rights to control me anymore. I have a damaged brain. It's broken. There's a big wrapping around my brain that says broken, out of order, never to be used again for me. And that's it. I follow like an, like I follow like, uh, I used to say, I follow like an idiot. I follow like a very smart man today. I don't listen to my damaged brain. But I can't, but I can't, but I can't. You pray for the willingness to have the willingness. And if it doesn't work, you take out your step one. And you write down, you write down on your step one. You write down on your step one. You look at your step one and you write down the things you've done. And on the other side of the paper, you write down the things that you still want to do. And if that doesn't wake you up, then maybe go drink a little bit more. Act out a little bit more. But find a guy who you're willing to give your will and your life over to who will take you, not from through the first two steps or three steps or six steps. We're manipulators. We got our drug when we wanted, how we wanted, where we wanted. We could figure out how to get the sponsor we want, when we want, where we want, how we want. And we could go to any lengths to get it. If we want it. If we're not ready and we want to have a horrible life, then go for it. And I'll say it so far, the same thing is in marriage. Somebody asked me this yesterday. Maybe some people are destined to have miserable marriages. I don't believe in a, such a God. I don't believe in that. If a guy has a miserable marriage, there's something going on in his life with his own personal will that he is not willing to give up. And as a result of that, his marriage sucks. Everybody is 
is, is privileged to a beautiful, happy, serene marriage on this world, irrelevant to the crap that he has done in his life. It doesn't mean that my wife won't be human. Humanist comes up, I'm going to be human, we're all humans. But everybody deserves to have it. You know how I know? Because I've been married to a bitch, and I've been married to the most amazing woman in the world. And I get to be married back to the bitch. Depends where I'm holding. This program really, really takes care of all our problems. Really. You've got to be willing to go for it and get it and make it priority in life. Yeah. When all else fails, it's important to say this. I don't know if I said this. Page 99 into 12 and 12. Page 99 into 12 and 12. The St. Francis prayer. I've said, I, I've said this here. When I've done workshops or I, I've done talks, wherever I've gone, I ask, is there any questions? Ten hands go up. Twelve hands out of 50 out of 70 people go up. And then I said, before I answer any questions, let's just read this prayer together. The St. Francis prayer. And then I say, are there any questions? I really have seen maybe one or two guys still pick up their hands. And the prayer is all about getting rid of self and being selfless and being there for my spouse, for my, my children, for the next fellow man. And not thinking about little Chaim all day. Chaim, Chaim, Chaim. And when we live that type of life, there's no questions. Everything is simple. Should I go home or shouldn't I go home? Well, are you being self-centered? Is it about you or is it about your wife? Is it about you or is it about your children? Yeah, but it's not so simple. Okay, stop for a second and ask yourself. What would you want your son-in-law to do for your daughter at this moment? Walk into the strip club or not? Cheat on your daughter or not? What do you want at that moment? Scream in rage because your daughter didn't give your son-in-law sex? Storm out of the house? Give the guilt and shame treatment? What at that moment do you want your daughter to experience? At that moment. It's very clear. It's not complicated, this program. We have a gift. That's called a sponsor. I believe God speaks out of him. I believe God wants us to listen to our sponsor. And... I haven't gone wrong. When I follow these three people in my life, my life has just changed for, them, for, the, for the better. And today I could honestly say, with all my problems, and I do have stuff going on, and forever will be, I, I like to call it, there will forever be life, God willing. So long as I'm alive, there will forever be life. But I have people to call that can help me walk through it if I stay humble. And I need to remember my step one. And thank you for this amazing workshop. Really appreciate it, everybody. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.